What does it mean to be an equestrian? It's more than just being a fan of horses. It's the riders, coaches, owners, barn staff, grooms, and other support staff. But it's also the people, family, and friends who make up the whole equestrian team. And this podcast is for all of you. I am so excited to be here with you as we explore life in and outside of the show ring. I'm Tracy Mitchell, and I'm here to help you hit your stride. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Hitting Your Stride. Today features Diana Dionisio, who everybody knows as Didi. I have been really looking forward to this episode because even though Didi and I have known each other for about six years, I think this is the first time we've really had a chance to sit down and have this kind of conversation. I was introduced to Didi via my Mitchell Equine Massage business, and I quickly picked up on the talent of this young trainer. So let's get started. Didi grew up in the city of Oakville, which is found in the greater Toronto area. She started riding at those ever important lesson schooling barns. And once her parents found out at the age of six that she had not only the horse bug, but the talent, they got her into a barn where Didi really got to see what was going on and involved in the big A hunter jumper barns. At the age of 17, Didi moved to Twin Home Stables to work for Sue Fish as a groom. And through lots of lessons and opportunities, Didi, with the, this is where Didi learned all of her great horsemanship skills that had carried, that she's carried forward with her. Didi graduated from the University of Guelph and Humber College in the study of family and community social services. And while at Humber, she was also a member of the varsity volleyball team. After university, Didi headed to Europe to get some riding experience by landing riding jobs with some very notable riders, one of them being Paul Schockemol from Germany. She was also a rider at Sportfert Lemmer. At both stables, she trained horses of all ages and developed them for shows and international sales. Since coming home from Europe, she has managed and taught at Shenandoah Farm Triple C Stables. Currently, Didi is at Ann Audie Equestrian as a trainer and coach, assisting Ann Audie herself in preparing all 31 horses in their barn and their riders. Didi also does freelance coaching. She has also competed and coached clients at the and attended the Royal many times with many successes. Hey, Didi. I am so thankful that you took the time to, out of your very busy schedule to have this conversation with me. I know you are a very busy woman, but as we were planning this, it became very apparent to me just how busy you are. And it seems like you have easily 14 hour days. <laughs> you must have like time management down to a fine art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of um, precise planning to get through my days, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> so before we officially get started, I want to go over why I really wanted to bring you on to this podcast and why I thought the listeners um, could really benefit from the conversation with you. So first of all, you are one of the hardest working young women I know. You are a quality person with a boatload of 
common horse sense, which does not exist a lot. <laughs> and you are very dedicated to the horses that you are educating as well as their people. Um, I am looking forward to seeing where your this journey takes you. I think you're amazing. On top of that, you are a really effective rider who works with the horses to obtain these great results. So again, welcome. Thank you. All right, so let me start by asking you, have you always wanted to be an elite rider in the hunter jumper disciplines? And at what point in your journey did this goal really start resonating with you? Um, I would say, yes, I always had this dream that I wanted to be an elite rider and do it professionally, but it almost seemed like, um, it was maybe an almost unattainable dream because the, the majority of people in, in the horses, at least in North America, there's a lot of money, um, that goes into, into competing and the training and all of that. And my family um, could provide me a certain level of that and, and help me out, but it didn't really ever feel like I could get as far as some other people just because we didn't have an unlimited budget. Um, so I would say, yeah, it was, it was a little bit more of a, a empty dream. I, it felt like at some points, um, but it wasn't until I would say I was working for Sue Fish at the time and uh, I was in university and we were having a discussion one day and she said, I don't even know why you're in university. You're going to end up doing this as a career. Oh, wow. And hear her say those words out loud, it like really gave me the confidence that, wow, I can do this. Like this person who I respect so greatly, she, she, believes in me and and feels like I can do it and just to hear those words I feel like that was a bit of a turning point for me nice. um, and yeah I would say that was the, the the point where I really felt like I really could do it was hearing that from her good for you and even though you know you felt the dream was quote-unquote empty you still stuck with it yeah and it honestly it, it mostly just felt like it was empty because you get to a certain level to to be seen and and to get that experience and I, I could I could skim the surface of getting to the level but it it was it's really tough to break into that world but um just feeling like someone who I respected so much was really behind me and believed in me um I think that was the turning point that's amazing that's awesome yeah. okay so based on uh, our conversation sorry pardon I was going to say, sorry, I don't think she knows that she doesn't know. She, she probably doesn't even remember making that comment. Oh, well, maybe she'll have to listen to the podcast and it'll make her day. <laughs> oh, so with regarding Sue, then and in our conversation, getting ready for this interview, yes, you did share her importance to you. And you know, I understand you learned a lot of your horsemanship skills from Sue and how she initially instilled in you that the horse always came first. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that experience and how learning that has shaped you? I always think about uh, how she always put the horse first and it comes into play when I'm taking care of them in the barn or riding them or just being around them. 
um, planning my days around them and their schedule and when some of them prefer to be ridden versus when they prefer to go outside. <laughs> like we have some where don't like the cold so much. So I'll ride those ones earlier and then they get to go out in the afternoon instead of the cold brisk mornings. Um, there's, it affects me in so many different ways um, in a good way. Like just thinking about the fact that the horse always has to come first. Like they're doing this for us and they get nothing. It, whether they train hard or train easy they win or they lose they get the same thing at the end of the day so we're asking a lot from them and um, it's really important to just respect them and respect them as as the animals that they are and the feelings that they have and the moods that they have and not expect them to be machines all the time um, so not only just because they're animals do they have to come first it's our duty to take care of them and take good care of them but especially with how much we ask them to do uh it's important to to keep all of their needs and wants in mind with everything that we do yeah so do them. you find that as it's obviously made an impression on you and you've carried this forward do you find you paying forward the message that Sue gave you to the train to the people you're coaching now I try to <laughs> I try to and right now I feel like Anne and I have a really good group of um clients who they really care about their horses they really love their horses um they, a lot of them, they expect them to perform at a certain level because they know they have the ability, but they respect them and they take care of them. They're wrapping their legs after their lessons themselves. They're putting alcohol on their legs on other days when they don't need to be wrapped. They're, you know, letting them stand under the, the heat lamps until they're totally dry before they put them back in their stalls. They're washing their legs if they're dirty after their rides so they don't have sand in their socks. Yeah. You know, they're doing taking care of their horses really well and we have we have a new client actually who had came from a full service barn um and she she had no idea even how to groom her horse let alone put tack it up or wrap its legs and we taught her all of that and um even her mom now jumps in her mom's brushing her horse with her they're walking out to the paddock to get the horse in two feet of snow lesson yeah it's really nice to see wow I remember years ago <clears throat> when I when I, one of the big team riders I worked for I heard him say the horse in order for a horse to be a special horse it has to feel like a special horse that has always yeah. stuck with me right so yeah I think the more we can educate people on that the the better off the horses will be the better they'll perform etc that's awesome Okay, so how did it, how did this set you up for the training you do today with all the horses you work with? So you might have touched on this a little bit, but like, is there anything that Sue did regarding the training or that she taught you that set you up for what you do? Sue's approach was very soft with the horses. She, she never, um, never messed around with the horses too much. It was always like kind of old school, like loopy rain um very rhythmical everything was one rhythm so I did carry that forward for a long time but maybe we'll speak about this later but after I went to Germany 
um, and spent some time there, I kind of molded that style, the very, very soft kind of old school style with a little bit of the European style. So I, depending on the course, I kind of do one or the other okay. or both a mix of all. <laughs> Well, it's for, it's all about what you learn from different areas, right? It's the, you know, different experiences in life and taking it forward with you. So in the last couple of years of university, you were riding at a barn where other riders were younger, like yourself, um, with similar goals. During this time, you were finishing off your degree. You were competing in varsity sport. You were riding and spending a lot of time in your car to get everything done. Um, that's a lot to handle for a young woman of your age, but obviously you had a lot of goals. How did you manage to pull it off? How did you work your time management skills at such an early age when I'm sure there were friends that were trying to pull you in different directions? Um, honestly, it was very easy for me because everything that I was doing, I wanted to do. I mean, yeah. I was going to say, maybe I didn't necessarily want to be in school, but I did at the time because university is exciting when you're young and you want that experience. So I enjoyed going to class. I had friends in my classes. I had friends on the volleyball team, obviously. I had friends at the stable, um, friends from high school. So everything I was doing, I wanted to do. I wanted to go ride. And then I, I wanted to drive to class, to attend class. I wanted to go to practice, obviously. Um, so for me, it was kind of easy because even though um, I was so, so busy, I, I wanted to do all of that. So I just kind of stayed focused and stayed on track and went from one place to the other with lots of coffee and lots of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people ask me the same thing with everything I've got on my plate right now, like, how do you do it all? And I'm like, I love everything that I'm doing. I'm excited. I mean, I actually found myself couple of nights ago you know I had to I got up to get a drink or something at like one o'clock and I'm like oh it's almost morning I get to get up and like get started on this other thing you know so yeah there's definitely something to be said by doing what you love yeah. um so what did the playing I, I knew you played volleyball but volleyball but I didn't know it was varsity so like that really fascinates me again like athleticism um dedication commitment that kind of thing so what did playing varsity volleyball teach you and how are you able to apply those lessons today both as a rider and as a coach um varsity volleyball it was it was such a fun and amazing experience. It was especially fun and amazing because our team was so good. <laughs> uh, had the reputation of being a, a really good school. Humber College had won the OCAAs for when, when, when I won with, with Humber, I think it was like the fifth year in a row or something like that that they won and then they went on to win for another five years they had like a more than 10 year winning streak I want to say um winning double a finals so um you spend a lot of time with the team and obviously there's about 12 13 girls on the team lots of different personalities lots of different moods young girls um lots of issues <laughs> obviously <laughs> day it's your team and you stand by your team and you just learn how to deal with everyone's mood 
um, different personalities. Um, I think learning to be around a group of girls day in, day out is very similar to being around clients day in, day out, because although they might only own one horse with us, some own two horses, but even the ones that own one, they're coming up five days a week, you end up spending a lot of time with your clients. And of course, you have to learn to manage different people's personalities, manage yourself around them, I should say, because the way you can speak and act around one client, maybe another client is a little bit more reserved and you have different conversations with them and, and that's fine. Um, in terms of the training, I would say it probably has helped me encourage students to do um, as well as they possibly can do. Like I learned some things during um, my time at Humber playing varsity volleyball in terms of mindset and uh, mental training. And I think I apply that without the clients even knowing mm. <laughs> to my lessons with them and just conversations with them, encouraging them to do the things that they would like to do and to achieve the goals that they'd like to achieve. And I think just the way I speak to them, they don't even know, they don't, no, I'm di directly doing this because it seems a little bit indirect. They don't notice, but I'm kind of pumping their tires and pushing them to achieve these goals because I believe in them. Um, I yeah, I you can you can do anything you put your mind to. So if they come to me like to achieve a certain goal, I can get them there. I feel I feel I can. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what? Like your demeanor whenever I mean you and I have always had a great you know communication and great energy with each other so it's always been fun to to see you and spend time but you're always very even keeled which probably has a really great effect on on your students right and then you know with the varsity um volleyball like you said if you were in a, a program that won like 10 years in a row that was commitment to your sport so, you know, your, your riding students are able to um, see that, feel that with you when you're, when you're working with them and stuff. So yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty important. And, um, you know, like you said, being able to establish a mindset with them and demonstrate that for them because you've been there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what year was it that you went to Europe? I think it was... 2013 or 14. Okay. All right. I think Sorry, 2013? So yeah. Okay. So with a new jumper in tow, you ventured to Latvia where you were working with a trainer and planning on spending the summer with your grandparents who were to meet you there. And as you have some family in that part of the, the of Europe and you were gonna spend the summer with them. But unfortunately, as you shared with me, your grandfather was having some health issues and they couldn't make it. So there you were, you were in Europe on your own with a new horse. Um, <laughs> did this sudden change of plans affect you and your mindset at the time? And how were you able to adapt to the unexpected change of plans? 
Yeah, I was really looking forward to spending that summer with my grandparents and just being immersed in, in the culture firsthand um, with them there because I went, I actually went to Latvian school from kindergarten to grade eight every Saturday. So I, I already knew how to speak the language. I, I had traveled there a couple of times with family um, when I was younger, um, but I was looking forward to spending uh, that, that summer there and just really taking it all in. So it was more disappointing than anything that um, that they weren't able to make it, but I just put my focus into the horses and really just trained hard with the horses. And I was got super fit because I went to the gym all the time. So I just put my focus into the sport. Um, I went and watched a lot of horse shows. I attended a lot of horse shows. Um, and I just tried, just tried to soak up that side of it. I still made a lot of friends from Latvia and, and I got to learn a lot about the, the culture and see it and experience it. And um, that was a lot of fun. But for the most part, I just focused on the horses and just being really, really fit and being able to do a really good job of riding and, and learning and spending time at the stable. Nice. So you, so, I mean, obviously it was sad. Your grandparents couldn't join you, but there was, you never felt like, oh my goodness, I'm alone. Like you, you just kind of refocused and pivoted in the way you went. Yeah. Because I made friends at the stable too. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty social and I, I can get along with pretty much anybody for the most part, I would say. Um, so yeah, no, I, I didn't feel, I didn't like feel like I was alone or anything like that. I enjoyed it to be honest. It was a really amazing experience. Yeah, it's it it's one of those things. I mean, I'm a firm believer when you're when you're when your plans change, there's a reason for it. And you know, you, you took an opportunity, you made an opportunity out of this, which probably was a really good start to establishing your European experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was. Cool. So how did you end up getting the riding jobs with Shockmole and the um sorry and Oliver Lemmer? Yeah, um so I, I was riding in Latvia at the time and uh, this, this trainer, he's a Portuguese guy. He, he was a rider at Paul Shakamala's stable and he came to Latvia to, to do a, a little clinic, I think, and to teach a couple of people who he had somehow met along, along his travels. So when he was coming, the one girl said, oh, this so-and-so is coming. Um, do you want to take a lesson with him? And I said, yeah, for sure. I'd love to, like, that'd be such a cool experience. So he came to my stable and he gave me a lesson and he just said, oh, like, uh, you know, I think your style is really impressive. I think you ride really well. Um, you should try to come to Shakamala and get a job there. So literally like the next week I was on a plane to Germany <laughs> So I flew to Germany, stayed there for, I don't know how long it was, like maybe five days or something like that. And uh, just went to that stable, did a little trial day. They just put me on a whole bunch of horses. It's funny how they do it. They just 
put you on something easy at the start of the day and then they just see what you can handle. They watch you and they just progressively give you different horses to see if you can handle the different issues that all these horses have and, mm-hmm. and figure them out and see how you just see how you handle them really is what they're looking for. And then, yeah, at the end of the day, they offered me a job. So then I flew back to Latvia, packed up my horse on the trailer, and then we went to Germany wow. <laughs> and then got that one. And then um, I got the job with Oliver Lemmer. It was the same kind of idea. I just um, was connected with him through a friend that I made who she said, oh, I know somebody that's looking for a rider um you can contact him and and see where it goes and yeah so that's that's how I got that one I went same there tried the horses he he liked my style like I rode it was more um more southern in Germany so it was a different area so it it was nice because the first stable was in a very much like country bumpkin kind of area so there wasn't a lot to do but there were so many riders there that it was a lot of fun everybody hung out and it, it was great times but the other place was near big city so that so that was nice I got to experience um living closer to a big city and, and seeing what it was all about cool wow yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect example of being very easygoing and going with the flow you know and and not afraid of change. Like, there you go. Here's an opportunity. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. So was working at these barns, a real eye opener for a North American, especially one who is young and just getting started. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So much different over there. It is so much different. The type of riding is different. Um, The sport in general is different. Honestly, it was they really look at it over there like a sport it's very much um something that you can only have access to it if you have quite a bit of money um over there it's a lot more affordable you know you go to the horse show and it's like 10 euros like 15 dollars to go into a class like your whole bill is under 100 dollars canadian if you were to convert it um, so it's, it's totally different in, in every aspect. The, the style is different. Um, they focus so much more on the flat work over there. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's completely different. It was totally eye-opening. Also, just the level that the, the riders are at. Obviously, there's, there's riders of every level, but just so many good riders. So, so many good riders. The young riders there, you know, I, I went over when I was about 23. Um, the the other riders that were at the stable some of them were as young as 19 they'd already shown in so so many of them had already shown in grand prix young riders they've they've done so much already at such a young age um so i think just the way that they they bring up their riders there they they have a bit more opportunity to get a little farther ahead because it's a bit more affordable so they end up having because of that a lot a lot more quality riders and a lot more educated riders here it's just so expensive to get that education and get those good horses to jump at that level so it's a lot tougher here wow yeah that really puts um a highlight on you know how exclusive the equestrian sports can be you know 
Um, you know, that's why I thought the part of your bio was really important about, you know, you getting started at those lesson schooling barns, because, you know, there's not a lot of them out there that A, can survive and, you know, that lead to now riders like yourself. So they're definitely important. Um, yeah. Th did you find the European experience like, because um, like I know when I was younger, I had an opportunity to go to Germany to ride with a dressage rider, a dressage trainer. And I obviously, I didn't go, life took me in a different direction, but talking to people that had been there was really challenging. Like they, they almost kind of worked the North American students just a little bit harder <laughs> than they did the, the, uh, the European ones. So like, can you share with us an experience where maybe you felt a little overwhelmed and or overly challenged at either of those barns? Yeah, <laughs> I can. <laughs> So um, when I when I first got the job at Shakamala, um, about three weeks in, you're riding so much, right? Riding tons of horses. Um, you're riding all day, morning until the evening, and uh, I literally my body was just could not handle it. It was not used to that type of work. I got welts on the inside of my legs. I'm not joking you. Yes. Welts up and down my legs that it was, it was summertime when I started working there. So they would pus and swell and burst, go, go through my breeches. I would have crusties on the inside of my knees that I literally mm -hmm. had to away from them to get them detached. It was awful. Um, so my body honestly was just not used to that type of riding, like connecting with the saddle like that was a different thing for me. So my body was not used to it. So I would say, um, that was definitely challenging. I, I remember because they always wanted you sitting trot, sitting canter, stay connected with the horse, you know? So I remember the trainers would all stand in the middle and congregate there and they'd watch the riders ride around because at Shakamala there's so many riders it'd be 20 people riding in one sand ring at, at a time the sand ring was huge but still it was all it was so so busy sometimes more sometimes 30 people riding in there at a time but anyway so they'd all stand in the middle and then I'd look over and if they weren't paying attention at this time I would just go up into my half seat and take a little break for a second canter along past behind their back in my half seat in front of them I'd sit down <laughs> I just was so sore. My knees were in so much pain just because of all the riding. Um, my and my lower back, I found, was really sore. Um, but yeah, so so that was that was challenging. Um, was there yeah. was there any mental challenge? Like, did you think, oh my god, like I just I can't do this? I loved it. Just my body. It felt like my body like couldn't couldn't keep up. It just. It, it almost just felt like my body just wasn't used to what I was asking it to do and the way I was asking my body to ride. It, I was used to riding just loose and soft and in my half seat all the time. And then there's, like I said, the opposite a little bit. You're sitting, you're sitting trot, you're sitting canter. Everything's super connected, riding a little bit more like they want you riding over there a little bit more dressage-y. Um, so yeah, it was just different. But the second part of that question was or a time where I felt overwhelmed or fake? Well, yeah, like just wondering if you felt like overwhelmed or challenged. I, I think you, yeah. 
there was actually a specific time with a horse that I felt for the first, honestly, for the first time, I think it was for the first time that I ever felt uh, like afraid of a horse. Um, yeah. So the, okay. So the girl whose position I was taking over the previous rider, um, I didn't know this when I started, but I had already been riding there. We, there, we had an overlap period. So it was like her last two weeks I had started. So we were both together in the same barn, but she had never explained what had happened to me about this one specific course. They just said, Oh, you ride that one. Um, anyways, it turns out that, uh, the horse and I, I, we really got along and, and the head rider was saying, Oh, you know, I feel like this horse just really likes your style because she likes like that hunter really soft ride not asking her too too much just everything really soft and light and then um I learned one day that she had flipped over on the previous rider and knocked her out and broke her leg and right when I heard the story I thought oh my gosh because she's afraid of head-on traffic which I hadn't experienced yet and no one had told me that yet so I guess the horse had done this to the girl and it was like I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I can't show this horse that I'm afraid that it's going to do that to me now. Like she can't know how I feel, but the horses, they know, they sense it. It literally was my very next ride. The horse started testing me. It didn't want to go to the ring and it would stand up on its back legs, like out of nowhere, but not out of nowhere, because it was as soon as I learned that information, I knew deep down, I was a little bit afraid of this horse that it was going to do that to me. And yeah, so I, I felt a little bit overwhelmed at that point so how did you mentally get past that well I learned how to deal with that which was pretty awesome because now if I have horses that threaten to go up or they go up I have ways to get around that um so I I basically I learned how to deal with the issue um and that's how I got past it but I never enjoyed riding that horse after that time <laughs> wow yeah that would definitely have you on the edge of your seat so to say <laughs> well okay so what was a really empowering experience you had at either of these stables one well and perhaps maybe it was combined with that horse um one that left you realizing that you were a really capable rider um a very empowering time uh I I don't know if there was like a specific um, moment, but I could just feel there that the trainers for for some reason, I don't know, but they really liked me and they liked my style. They told me that they really liked how I could combine a North American style with a more European style. And um, most of all, they would, very often comment that I had a good eye which I had heard that before like I'm 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 gonna have a good eye and and they all they all commented on that um yeah I would say that it was empowering just to be like a North American young rider just going over there really for me I thought I was going over for the experience and to learn but I ended up getting this purposeful job <laughs> this place where I'm being looked at like I'm a very well-rounded rider so just feeling that from them I felt that that was really empowering that's amazing 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that set you up. That's that. I think that is probably what set your trajectory. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. So after your experience in Europe, you came back home, you accepted a job as a head trainer at a local stable near your home. Two and a half years later, you were offered an assistant trainer's position at an A circuit stable. And now you're training and coaching out of an Audi equestrian. So looking back over the past five or six years and seeing where you are now, what can you say that you have learned the most about yourself? Um, I would say that since coming home, I have the, I've learned that I'm really good at teaching, which is funny because when I was over there, I did no teaching at all, but I think because of the detail that went into the riding there um, and the detail of the flat work and everything over and, and every stable I was at over there was just so precise. Um, I feel like that made me more aware of everything that I'm doing on top of the horse. So I feel like in the in the last five years or so, I've learned that I'm I'm a really good teacher. I feel like I'm very detailed. I tell the students exactly what to do with, I feel like every part of their body in every moment. And it makes them a lot more aware as well of, of what they're doing. That's amazing. So, so your, your talent has been to experience and then like literally transform that. So it's almost like, like you said, you're almost in the saddle with them. You can see what's I going feel, on. Yeah. I feel like first for them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're riding it for them. Yeah. What are you one of those instructors that when you're teaching, you're walking around the arena the whole time? Yeah. I'm usually walking. I'm two pointing with them. I'm all of <laughs> inside leg. My inside legs go in, you know, all of it. that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So, and you know what? I really love the fact that you can say what you know you're good at without ego, because you've, you've been through this experience and have been able to take something out of it and realize what the lessons have been. Um, so kudos to you. I think that's amazing. Thank you. All right. So actually, Dee, I think we're going to break this interview into two parts because there is lots that we're covering here and I know there's lots to come. So for listeners, stay tuned for part two with my, for my conversation with Diana Dionisio. We'll talk soon. So there you have it. For future episodes, I have some amazing interviews lined up hoping to open and engage the horse world on issues and topics of interest in and out of the show ring. So until next time, keep your eyes forward and continue to hit your stride. You can subscribe to the podcast for new episodes of Hitting Your Stride on my website or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can check me out on Facebook and Instagram and feel free to share whatever you've heard here with your friends. For that, I would be very grateful.